Hello. Welcome, everybody. We are coming at you from Birmingham, Alabama. I'm Mary Beth Poor, and this is Wellen Bridgers. Hi! Are the two lone U.S. Moana staff members. And so we are okay, so- trying out Zoom, even though we live in the same city, because we can't wait to loop in more guests from all over. That's so- right. And I mean, what what would a podcast be without a Zoom call, right? So in this day and age, but we are so thrilled that you guys are joining us today. I hope this is our second Moana Villages podcast. So if you haven't listened to our first one, we invite you to go back and check that out. We talk a little bit more about who we are, what we do. And this second today, our podcast today is going to focus on one of my favorite things about Moana when I learned about it was family reunification. And so a key pillar, in fact, one of our top priorities um, at Moana is reuniting a child with their family. And I have talked to Wellen so much about this. And, and one of our founders, Cheryl, when, when I first got to know about Moana and then when I first came on staff, I remember talking to Cheryl and saying, you know, the idea of reuniting a child with their family seems so incredibly obvious. Like, why would you not, why would that not be an instinct that is just that you hear about all the time? And what occurred to me, well, and I know I've shared this with you so much, is that that I've, I'd never heard that before. And when I asked Cheryl, you know, what, what prompted you to even begin that piece, to make that a focus, a pillar of Moana? And I think I remember her response just being like seeing the vulnerable families and seeing that so many times a person would feel like surrendering their child was their only option instead of realizing that when someone came alongside them, that there were other options or, you know, there were other even family members that, you know, if something happened like a death or something, that there was another family member who may very well would want to raise that child. And I know you're going to share a few, some stories in a few minutes with us about ways that that happened. But I love that she was looking and listening with what was happening in the community and then began the work to, to do that. And so family reunification is so very important to us. And you're going to hear some stories today. Wellen's going to share stories about, about that happening. And um, so we can't wait to hear more. Yeah. Well, and it's really, it is the truth that it is the obvious right thing to do. Why would you not keep a child with his family when it's possible? But it is so unfortunate that it is not the typical practice within, um, you know, the traditional orphanage um, or within the orphan care world. And there is a shift um, moving traditional institutional care back toward family-based care. And this reunification piece is a really important part of it. But sometimes Congo becomes this place where certain things are happening throughout the world, and yet Congo still operates in um, in the way that it has for a long, long time. And so Moana in the Republic of Congo is 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 groundbreaking in this way of doing this kind of work that's really not the typical. And so it's, you know, that's one of our hopes is that as we continue to share our stories, that that becomes part of other organizations and other places like Congo and like Moana, that becomes the norm and that becomes the new standard as well. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So well, I've, Go ahead, Mirabeth. <laughs> I'll say too. One of the other things too is I love that one of our values is meaningfully employing local staff, and I don't think reunification would be able to happen 
as easily, or maybe not easy is the right word, but as often as it does, unless most of our staff was local to the area, which is, I just wanted to mention that because I know that's so important to us. And in, in this case, that's really the only reason why family reunification can happen so often. Yeah, that is so, so true. And I think we shared this on the last podcast that while we are the ones who are sharing on a podcast or who's, you know, who you see on Instagram TV, we're, we're not the majority of the organization. The majority of our amazing staff are Congolese men and women who are doing the hard work on the ground of the investigation of the coming around a vulnerable woman. And yeah, we'll hear about kind of what that looks like um, in these stories, but that's so true. It is all about the just capacity and skills and commitment of that local team that that makes it possible. Mm-hmm. Love that. So you've got some stories to share with us today um, that I can't wait to hear about. I I remember Deborah was one that you had mentioned, and I loved that story. That was one of the first stories that I remember hearing about um, when I found out about Moana. So what's yeah. more Deborah? Yeah, I was thinking this this morning about, okay, we have all of these different stories that in some way they are each so unique, but they all have some common themes too. And which stories would help help our listeners understand kind of what's at play and what's at stake with um, with children and when we are not pursuing reunification. So the first story that I wanted to share is about Deborah and her daughter, Sherry Dust. So this was one of the, actually for, for me and my husband, when we were just learning about Moana, this was kind of an unfolding story right as we were learning about it and really was one of the reasons that we came on board and really became invested because it is it is such a powerful story. So Deborah is a young mother. And when she came to Moana, she was a very young mother of a newborn little girl. And Deborah had herself been orphaned um, as a child. She had um, oftentimes you hear this term a double orphan, had lost mother and father. Deborah had been triple orphaned. She had lost her mother and then her father and then her stepmother. And so by the time she was in her teenage years and was a young mother, she was resorting to all of the ways that you might imagine out of desperation to try to provide for herself and for her daughter. And when she came to the Moana Refuge, she came extremely malnourished, completely desperate, sick, um, and afraid. And she came to abandon her baby. Sherida was just a few months old. She was not able to nurse her because she was in such poor health and she was afraid that she was going to die. And so she came to say, I'm going to leave my baby with you. Do with with her what you will. And Cheryl, who you mentioned earlier, our co-founder said, no, 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 no. We're not, you're not going to leave your baby here. You come with us as well. We're going to nurse you back to health. We're going to care for you and your child together so that you can be her mother, which again, it's like, is it that the obvious thing? And the the sad part is, as we'll share in some of the later stories, that's not what other orphanages would necessarily do that children are seen as commodities. They're seen as an opportunity to make a profit. And so, you know, the, the, the quick and easy wrong thing could have been to say, yep, we'll take your baby. Um, See ya on you go. Um, And that would have been it. But Deborah, we got the medical care that she needed 
We helped teach her how to care for her baby, how to nurse her baby. And they grew as this wonderful, beautiful mother and child. And she became a staff member. She was a caregiver from Moana for many years. She went through training programs um, and they, she now has gotten married and they've moved on to another city. And it's, I mean, just, you know, an amazing story that along the way, there were a few steps forward and a few steps back, but over the trajectory of time, this is a family who was able to stay together when otherwise she, you know, it it could have been so different. It could have been at that cycle of abandonment. Yes. And again, when I hear that story, it just gives me goosebumps because I think about two things, you know, when someone listening to this podcast you may hear of someone abandoning their baby and thinking, I can't even imagine. But we have all felt fear and we have felt that fear. We have made decisions that then if we, you know, look at it from a different perspective, we wouldn't have made that decision, but that someone, when she was feeling fear, was able to come alongside her and be like, hey, let me walk with you, which is what I love so much about Moana. And we talk so much on our Instagram about the children, which we should, but also we do so much trauma counseling with these women, as you're sharing with Deborah, and have taken counselors over to the Congo to you know, to, to build into the staff. And so, and when you think about holistic orphan care, you think about it is beyond the child and seeing that story with Deborah shows that shows. So I, I love that story. Well, there's this cyclical nature to it. A girl like Deborah, who has experienced trauma herself and has resorted to means to be able to keep herself alive that continue to, to traumatize her, you know, that, that sets her at risk for repeating the exact same thing and abandoning her own child. And so when we, you know, we talk about holistic care, that it's not just like, okay, well, let's get you healthy and put some. We're real people who have real interruptions. <laughs> hey, there's a garbage truck going on. This is real life peeps. So this, this is the fun part about Zoom. I've, I've already dinged mine twice. So this is us, y'all. We know y'all have the same kind of stuff going on. <laughs> I remember my train of thought. We're talking about the cyclical nature of, of orphan care that, oh, holistic orphan care that, that when you are not just addressing the physical practical need, but that emotional, that psychological, the, you know, coming alongside someone and addressing those traumas that she's experienced. I mean, that is what breaks the cycle. And that's what provides that true life transformation. Which is so obvious in Deborah now that she, and I love that now she has broken that cycle and she's going to not only in her own family, but impact others around her. Like, let me share you my story. And that coming from her, she will have an empathy and a grit and a just testimony about her that people will listen to because of what she has been through and how she's come out on the other side. So go Deborah. Absolutely. All right. So the second story, I thought it would be interesting to share sort of the flip side of reunification is actually family preservation. So instead of, um, of, uh, you know, sometimes children come into our care, full-time care, and they stay with us for a period of time. And we either can put them back with their birth family or put them with extended family that they have not previously been um, in care with. But sometimes it's about, 
stopping it before it happens. A little bit like Deborah, but even earlier. Um, and this is this example, Wendy, whose short story I'm going to share, is not the only time that we've had a situation like this um, and have the opportunity to preserve a family before it gets to that point of desperation. So Wendy, like several, several other women that have come to the Moana Refuge, came pregnant and um, unsure of how she would care for herself and her baby because of, of her circumstances. Um, and, um, and Wendy had shared with us that she had been offered money for her baby. Um, once her baby was born, if she would just sell her baby to any number of different folks that would offer, then she would have, you know, the, the material needs her material needs met. And we have seen this over and over and over again, that um, pregnant women are offered money um, for once their child is born, if you hand over your baby and you'll get, you know, anywhere between $20 up to a few thousand dollars. Um, on our insider email series, we share a little bit more in depth. We have to be very careful about what we can share publicly um, about the, the people that are involved in that trafficking. Um, but it is a horrific reality that these children are trafficked and that this is what vulnerable women are facing these offers for their children. Um, so Wendy came, the very fact that she came and that she knew Moana had a reputation for helping vulnerable women, not selling children, says so much about her own care and her own internal sense of worth that she did not want to do that even in her desperation. And so we worked with Wendy over the, 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 it was a couple of months until she delivered her baby and helped kind of, again, re restabilize what had been going on, addressing her traumas, addressing um, the, the, what am I going to do with, with myself once this baby comes and how can I provide for myself? And in the situation with Wendy, and this goes back to how important it is to have a local team that just knows the ins and outs of the culture, we were able to reunify adult Wendy with her family so that she then was welcoming this new baby girl into the world in the context of a loving, supportive family. And, you know, in our Western world, I think we're so individualistic and we don't typically think about, you know, once you're a grown and off on your own, how important having that extended family support is, but it is extremely important in Congo. And that was a key piece to her being able to welcome this beautiful baby girl and to care for her. Um, and through the course of that, we were able to share the gospel with Wendy. She had not really understood Christianity and why people would even be motivated to help her. And she professed faith in Christ through this time period that we were with her. She had her daughter baptized, like just really beautiful um, beautiful aspects of being able to come alongside in that that holistic way. Which again, even as I, as I listen to this story, the idea of this, it's a process and it takes time and it takes investment. And again, one of the things I love about Moana is that when a, a woman comes, that it is a, not just let me walk you from A to B, but try to go, we're going to go as far as we can, you know, to, to help her. And to see this legacy of faith. And I just envision, I wish I could be there for all these little moments that are happening for these women. But I love what you said too, that Wendy 
she did think I, there's a place that I know of that I can go for help, which is again, when you're feeling afraid to know that you can go somewhere and you're not going to be forced to make a decision you don't want to make is so very key. And, and to see the legacy that she's beginning in her own family is so powerful. Um, so, and you mentioned that insider series email, you know, that we do have, we do share more details and people can continue to hear stories like Wendy's, uh, beyond this. So, so Deborah, Wendy, way to go girls, which I can't wait to say that to them in person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know they're real, real amazing success stories. And I thought the third sort of aspect of the story of reunification that I would share. Sometimes it's not a cut and dry success story, if you will. Sometimes there are steps forward and steps backward, and it's unclear what the long-term plan will be. And so the third story, I guess, or collection of stories to share is about children that are somewhat stuck in between this, the possibility of reunification, but really not um, that not being a safe option for them at the time. Um, we tend to kind of call these kids the, the danglers. They are dangling between um, two outcomes. And this represents a, a, a big chunk of our kiddos that are in our care, that there is known birth family, but for whatever circumstances, it's likely connected to their own family's trauma. It could be socioeconomic, um, that they they truly cannot put food on the table for a child um, or whatever the reason is. It's the time is not right for them to be able to care for that child full time. And so as we come alongside and, 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 and work to make that happen, providing education, providing practical needs, providing some of that psychological, emotional um, healing, these kids, you know, remain in our care. Um, one of the things that we've talked about, you know, the kind of the traditional approach or the atypical approach, a lot of times you see in the orphan care world that adoption becomes the priority. And so um, for some of these children, there might have been an opportunity for us to say, oh, well, this mother is incapable of caring for the child, you know, pursue having those rights terminated, and then that child, you know, could go off and be adopted. But for us, when we know that there is family involved, and when there is a hope that that child could one day be in the care of his or her birth family, it is worth continuing to pursue that, um, even when it is not the easy or quick fix way. And so one of the things that we're exploring right now is for some of these children that may be in our care longer than we would hope is having a more family feel type care. Um, a lot of our listeners will know the story of Mama Fallon, who has four of her own boys and is now the foster mother for one of our older um, Juve, an old, a teenage boy in our care. And it's going really well for them. It's this beautiful family-based, you know, type home where she is is the mama to her own children as well as Jove and and hopefully some more um, of these little boys who are kind of in this in-between spot that we want them to have a family type home. We want them to know the the permanent consistent love of a mama um, but uh, but also want to have that door remain open should reunification ever be possible. So that gets another aspect to it's not always easy. We don't always have these great success stories, but we persevere and keep going um, 
as long as we can. Absolutely. And it is an investment. And, you know, like you said, there are some people listening to us right now who you've heard these stories and you, you have seen the success stories and you know that. And, but we get so many people who come to us, they've heard about us. And as we talk with them one-on-one, their jaw drops, just like mine did, you know, when I first got to know, like, wow, that this is, this is how this should work. And that it is such a unique perspective, you know, that adoption isn't always the first solution. And, and then when people start to hear more and think more about family reunification, like, well, yeah, that is so obvious that if that can happen, how beautiful that is. And so I I have loved every story that you've shared today. And I do want to talk about some next steps that you can take if you're hearing this podcast. Um, So the first thing is is that you can become a sponsor, a Moana sponsor. We call it Recurring Refuge. So right now we have 44 little ones in our care at the refuge. And when you are a monthly sponsor at whatever amount is good for you, you impact a life across the world every single month. And it goes towards diapers, towards formula, towards medical needs. Um, And you need to if you do, if you haven't followed us yet on social media, and I'm going to say the next step is definitely you can follow us on social media if you're not already, but you will see that we are not your typical orphanage. And so it also goes to help provide a true childhood for these, for these kiddos. One of my favorite things is when we post on Instagram, the videos of the little one's first steps. Oh, that, oh my Every goodness. Single child's first steps is recorded. They have it on video. They celebrate. It's Precious, just like we would for our own children, record every milestone. (laughs) Not your typical orphanage as our slogan. So again, if you choose to sponsor us, we will update you regularly with with details about the little lives that are in our care and how your generosity is directly impacting them. And the second thing, again, is social media. And, you know, social media is so common, it seems like social media, social media. But, oh, my goodness, when you share this podcast when you share on your stories or on a post about Moana, you are advocating for little ones, for women like Deborah, for women like Wendy, who thought that they had no other option, but because they got connected with Moana, they were able to end the cycle of orphanhood and start a legacy of family. I mean, that's what you do when you share about the work going on with others. So donating, becoming a monthly sponsor, following us on social media or sharing this podcast and advocating. And then also Wellen mentioned the insider email series. I highly encourage you and you can do this on our website at moanavillages.org villages.org that you can go and sign up for the insider email series where you will hear regularly stories like Deborah's and like Wendy's. And that can show how you can be a part, how your generosity can make a difference and how we together um, are, we are all in this together and we're mer- working to move this forward. So those are, are easy next steps that you can take to join us in this work that's happening with Moana Villages. So thank you that's guys right. so much for listening today. Anything else that we need to add before we say? Thanks for your patience with the dings, the texts and the email dings. <laughs> it's a good first experience for doing the Zoom podcast. Yes, yes. Do not disturb does not work. Do not disturb means please disturb Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Moana Podcast. See you soon.